roll the footage. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Simon Severino, your host. And today we have Kat Licavoli here because we have to talk future, but not somewhere there. We have to talk future right now, right here. How can we speed up innovation? How can we make work faster, better, and have everybody be more successful on the way there? So welcome, everyone. Kat Licavoli. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm very excited about this topic. So I'm happy, happy that you found me to come on. I'm going to take notes here. Let's start with who are you here to serve? Oh, um, that is a, oh, that's such a broad question. Or for me, it is because I, I'm really wanting to serve all, all problem solvers, whether that's within your immediate family, within your community or within the companies and industries that you work for. I think it's a very exciting time to be really leveraging design thinking and sprints and all of these technologies the way that we're looking at, because the only difference between a group and any of those scenarios that can really get their hands on a problem and onto the best solution and start having the best impact as soon as possible was, was there someone in the room that could help facilitate that collaboration in a way that was more efficient to get there? So I'm here to serve anyone who's wanting to solve problems better, really. Oh, that's our people. That's the listeners. And uh, how are you helping them be ready for what's coming? Well, that's a good question. Um, well, so that's a very broad group that I, so if I was to narrow that down to just, let's say either individual or small business owners, or even like um, larger companies and the teams that are within them, I think one, it's giving them um, some more tools and more um, structure and how they're leveraging all of these incredible advancements that are being made, whether it's some of the generative AI that we'll be talking about, or they've been swimming in the world of design thinking or lean or agile, helping them establish a more um, systematized way and consistent way to weave in some key resources and, you know, whether it's a mental model or um, something that they can use to, to really, again, frame out problems, understand, you know, opportunities better and get on to collaborating and creating better solutions together more efficiently and faster. So I think a lot of times that could look like product innovation teams, but it also could look like small consultant teams that are helping service small and medium sized businesses um, with, with the things that are, they think is going to help them either save money, be more efficient, earn, earn more um, revenue. So I know it's kind of a broad group, but I think at the end of the day, they all have some type of problem or some type of improvement they're looking to make. And they're looking to have good results of that and hopefully be prosperous enough to keep it all going. Tell us about one of the projects that maybe is completed and that that you are proud of and you are allowed to, to talk about. If I was to think back, so um, right now, if I was to, to start not today, but where I was my first big breakthrough moment where I first found, you know, some of the different product strategy techniques and books like Design Sprint, I was a software solution product manager looking at um, bringing a new way of online to online lot shopping for car dealerships and for car buyers. And through leveraging what I was understanding about agile, lean design sprints, um, I was able to get my team working together through these more structured, faster sprints and establish the first 
fully automated enterprise level onboarding configuration system and all the way down to how we were going to train and implement the customers that were going to be using the, these tools. And we leveraged Salesforce for that too. But I think that was that's probably one of the first proudest moments of like, oh, all this stuff I've been reading and all of these different consultants I've been seeing, I can apply some of this and, and generate some really great results. Um, and if you know anything about the onboarding experience, you can sell them on it. But if it's a clunky, awful onboarding experience or they're not figuring out how to use and leverage this thing that you've created, the adoption rate or the chances of them canceling go through the roof. So it was a real crucial part of um, seeing more customers stay on board and be successful. Our listeners uh, are really interested in how they can supercharge their sales. They're all business owners. What are you doing to supercharge your sales? Oh, I saw that question coming. So twofold. One, I'll talk a little bit about some of AJ and Smart and what they're doing. And then two, I also do some freelance work. And I think where there's some very consistent overlap to just keep it as simplistic as possible. Um, one thing is just really always understanding that your customers or the person that you're trying to pitch and get buy-in from, they don't care about you. They care about their problems, their needs, their challenges. And if you can present yourself as an expert that fully, fully understands this friction point or this, this space or this problem that they're in and that you're going to simplify getting them to a better place um, quicker, I think that part's huge. So really, really knowing your audience, really knowing that market space, really knowing a life and what they're doing to where that when you're talking to them, what you're saying relates with a problem that they care the most about solving. So I, and what are their goals? What are their objectives? What's, what's going well now? What's not? And I think a second part of that is um, you know, a level of authenticity and building trust. Um, so, and then being able to explain what you're going to be doing for them as simplistic as possible to where they feel very confident in the line of sight of where you're about to be taking them to get to those results. And um, so not, nothing I've said yet involves like building a fancy sales funnel or the right content, but really also, I guess, a third part of that would be understanding the journey that they're on. Are they in awareness? Are they considering you now? Are they weighing you out with other options? Ha have they had a conversation with you now? What should your strong follow-ups be like? Like, But it, again, it all comes down to, are you building trust along the way and building confidence with them that you're going to be the, you're going to offer something that's more unique, um, more valuable, and just feeling good about working with you over someone else? What have you stopped doing? Hmm. What have I stopped doing? Oh, gosh. Um, so that's a big one. for. Well, I just want to say one more thing about that. Like any of the clients that I've landed was through very thoughtful conversations. And at some point in those conversations, I would hear things like, Kat, you understand this better than anyone I've spoke to. And I think you could really help us figure it out. And I think that's really kind of where you're hoping to get to with the sales. Things that I've stopped doing on, on an independent level uh, for freelance work what is thinking that I have to build out this super robust, super expensive experience out of the gate in order to land clients and really focusing more on the first part of what I'm saying. Because I think getting that first part right is crucial before you spend a dime. Um, so not feeling like I've got to have the most you know, incredible paid ad or build out an awesome mm. sales funnel, which all that stuff is great. But before you do that, Much like Much later. Yeah. yeah what do we really time. need? What do we really need in the beginning? I, I don't think we even need a website. I think we can start with a LinkedIn profile and a Twitter profile and a phone number, actually, and being of service. Right. What have you find out that you actually need in the beginning? 
Yeah. And I think that and another thing I've stopped doing is um, feeling the sense of urgency that it all has to happen the second. So just getting into this more patient state of a little bit at a time, like you're mentioning, having a strong LinkedIn, having some type of examples of what you've done that's built credibility, having yourself prepared enough to have great, meaningful conversations to show what you're capable of, and just building your, your confidence and your clarity over time. I think so often people feel this, this sense of urgency that it's all got to be so perfect and so amazing. Like it was never perfect or amazing for anyone. It is all a, it's all a work in progress for everyone. So I think just getting started, getting over the fear of uh, not just, you know, you just got to get in there and do, like you said, whether that's just a simple LinkedIn and some posts to start. Like, yeah. I'm just thinking what would be my minimum viable start if I had to start all over tomorrow? I, yeah. I, I would love to have a LinkedIn account and 10 raving Google reviews. Then I would screenshot them and then start yeah. conversations. Right, right. And I think too, um, when you're first starting out, um, not being, yeah, I could just, I think there's so many smaller things that you can do like in your own community. So like for me, I really love design sprints and workshops and being able to, you know, like similar to your, to your strategy workshops or scoping and align workshops. And so for me, it was just raising awareness in my immediate community. And I really encourage people to like, maybe that is just, if you go to your coffee shops or any places where people are gathering and you see like the flyers on the wall at the grocery store, why not put your flyer up there and talk about something that you know some of the local businesses care about or on a local community level and offer up a free one and a half, and a half hour workshop. Go to innovation hubs or areas that you think individuals would you know, be interested in, in seeing um, what a workshop looks like. And then start to, by the end of that, they're going to know your name. You know, it's not a sales. It's more about what I would call focusing in on content marketing. Like, what is this? What is this? You're positioning yourself as some type of expert that has figured something out that if they if you could simplify something for individuals that show up and they're going to be to a better place an hour and a half later, if you do that well enough and you connect with them well enough, they're going to ask you afterwards, like, what is the email address? How do I follow up with you? Like, this is great. I've never seen so much get done in such a short period of time. So I think just believing in your craft that you're building and that there's value there is is huge. And just finding some very simple, low cost, no cost ways to help people start seeing what that is. Who are your ideal allies and collaboration partners? My ideal allies and collaboration partners, I saw that and I thought that was an interesting question. So one, there's something I learned years ago from uh, a manager and it always stuck with me and I knew that she lived it and breathed it, is that you know and treasure your resources whether that is a tool that you're using or an individual on your team. So I think as soon as you start to identify who are some of the, the strongest treasures to be resource um, to be to be um, some of the strongest resources to be treasuring and they feel that they know that you treasured them and there's trust built up. Those are some going to be some of your biggest allies. Um, and so, you know, when I'm working on an innovation project, maybe that's some of my tech in, um, information architects or developers or the designer or the researchers um, establishing ally. And maybe with uh, other projects, it would be something different. But it's the individuals that understand that problem or that are open to creative problem solving with you and to be as resourceful as possible and as open to going on that experience with you and that bring a strong set of skill sets that help fill what my gaps are. Because I only know as much as I know. And I'm only as smart as the smartest person in the room that can share with me something that I haven't figured out yet. So um, 
yeah, I think that can vary, but you should always be trying to spot those people in a situation or in at the table. We are moving on to my favorite segment of the show, which is where you get to know you as a person after one word from our sponsor. What if your business would run well, even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategies Prints blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategies Prints method. Order your copy of Strategies Prints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategiesprints.com. Your personal roots are from Sicily. Mine are from Calabria, which is a, n- a neighbor. Uh, yeah. How, how often do you do you go to Sicily? I've only been once so far, and I loved it. I I I think there's something really important for everybody if you can go back to you know your your homeland or where your ancestors came from. In my case, my grandparents. There is just such a sense of. Um, at being home almost. I, I mean, I'm, and one, I, it's very cold here in Michigan. So I'm like, dude, there was just something very soothing about the atmosphere there and the architecture and the, the, the botanical smells of the gardens that were around and the food. And then the, the, obviously, I think stereotypes are there, but Sicilians are known for being a little more diehard and uh, they've got a spice to them. So it just made me feel a little bit more like, oh, this is this is where it all started. This is where it came from. This is so yeah, I definitely think it's good to, to know and nourish your roots to continue growing. Um, so we went to Termina is where we went, which is actually mm. about two hours from where my family is. But I actually do have some relatives that are still there from where it all got started, where my grandpa came from. So my next plan is to go back and visit some of the family there too. We love Taormina. We go to the amphitheater. Whoever is playing in the evening, ah. we go to the amphitheater. It's, it's amazing. Whoever whoever is is performing, it's just the atmosphere there, right? And if with a bit, little bit of luck, you see the the Etna erupting. Oh, that's cool. No, I and I did, forgot to mention that part. Like the amount of um, ancient ruins that are there, and just how it was some of the most significant work that the the Greeks uh, the Greek empire had done in terms of amphitheaters and the sizes of some of those coliseums. And what was amazing about that one that's right outside the one hotel in Terramina is it's opening up to that ocean. You've got that ocean view behind you. It's just, it's very magnificent. You kind of feel like you're going back in time and just what they were capable of doing with the tools they would have had back then too is amazing. And then just the ruggedness of it. I loved how there was like this rough, wild nature to it. And then it butted right up to those old cobblestone, you know, streets and the old uh, buildings. It was just uh, amazing. I would, <laughs> I highly recommend everyone that does not realize how beautiful Sicily is to, to go. What are you doing to supercharge your relationships? Ooh, um, I think as the older I get, I think one, t- I think um, when we're younger, we just have such a feeling of like, we're just, especially if you come from very little, I came from very little. So I just felt like I had to be like extra shot out of a cannon if I was ever going to get to where I was aspiring and hoping and seeing other people get to. Um, I think a big part of it is just being more of a patient observer in the process. And it's good to have a certain level of hunger and a sense of urgency. But so I think for me, just being more patient with 
myself and patient with others and where they're at in their journey, whether that's a group that I'm on a project with and I'm already eager to get 10 steps ahead, but I know maybe they're two steps back or even further that, uh, you know, and same with your relationships. Um, I think we're all just really being um, more connected and, and aware of where everybody's at and that we don't always have to be exactly at the same spot at the same time. And then being more happy and um, focusing in on smaller wins. So like that compounding penny effect, like even if 1% turns into 2% tomorrow to be four by the next day, that like it doesn't have to all be overnight, I think has been, that's helped me because I'm a little diehard with my sense of urgency and that can be off-putting for some people that are at a whole different level and pace. So just kind of meeting people more where they are, I think has been a big one for me. Oh, we, we definitely resonate with that. Who do you envy and why? I, that word envy, I'm going to replace the word envy with um, aspire to be or inspired by, because I don't think it's good. To, I think we live in a world right now where so many people, especially with everything online and everything being so sensationalized, but this, there's a danger in comparing yourself to others and, you know, oh, they have this, but I don't. Um, but people that I, I aspire to be or that inspire me um, are just those those humble leaders, those that are just the cool, calm, collected ones that... You know, they come in as, as complex and as huge as the challenge seems, they seem just very grounded and rooted with a way forward. Um, uh, and that's that's been people, whether that was former managers or just different experts I've seen in the field. Um, I, I really admire that. And then I admire people that are just stay very true and authentic to their missions, their visions, and that don't seem like they're just going to keep changing and selling out to the highest bidding customer. They're, they're in it more for the beauty and the value that they see in the work that goes beyond that are motivated more by the people and the results uh, and the impact than necessarily just the profit. I have a very positive relationship to envy because uh, whenever I feel envy, I, I, I pause to learn from it, right? It's telling me mm. either something that's in me, but that I am not nurturing enough and so it's something that wants to grow that wants to expand and i love it because i have the chance to listen to it i usually like yes. you i'm just building 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 but when i feel that i pause and say okay tell me more what is it that wants to grow that's a healthy habit that you have that's a very healthy way of like self-reflection and i think being able to feel that envy moment i just talked with a coworker about that because they're like oh we're kind of jealous of something that's you know you're doing now that we're not and and i said but let that be a motivator to you because the only way you know it, it's all those moments that i experienced like you said where someone just crushed it on something or they blew something out of the water and i'm like i want to be at first I went to, I want that person back in the room because I, they, they do amazing things. And at some point I was like, no, I want to be that person in the room. Forget having them back in the room. Like teach me. I want to learn how to be. So what is that whole thing too? I think your version of envy kind of goes into like more like the teacher appears and the student is ready. Like it's those a, are moments where you feel like I'm ready to figure this one out. Exactly. I want to be yeah. it's, it's, yeah. To me, it's a backlog. It's a backlog and it will be the next sprint. Like two weeks ago, I somebody told me that their their blog is on autopilot and is creating sales all the time while they sleep. I was like, I want this. And then <laughs> I went back to my team and I said, do we have a blog? Yeah. Is anybody reading it? Yeah, 4,000 people. Um, 
do we convert any of that into subscribers? No, we don't have a subscriber button, Simon. I said, all right, then I know the next topic of yes. our sprint. Next week is the blog sprint. And now we are we are improving the blog. Yes. <laughs> I love it. You know, so that to that thought, I, I will show you this afterwards. But when I started really learning about sprints and um, doing things in a sequential order and going from that collection, like messy stage of like acquiring information about something to like choosing an area of focus, I'm, and you might be similar to this, and maybe some of your audience members are too, but I am a freaking idea observation factory. And to get to the backlog part, it, once I'm in a moment and I'm sensing, ooh, this is the stuff working really well that we should do more of, or ooh, here's an opportunity or a gap and how we can fix it, I'll crank out 20 different things a day sometimes. And so yes. to not overwhelm my team, because no one's got time for that, um, I created what I call the idea and opportunity funnel board. It's got a little bit of the LDJ, Lightning Decision Jam, which are exercises that are also present in the design sprint. And it starts with an idea parking lot. So as I'm getting aware with a new landscape or this new scenario and ideas and observations are coming in, I just take 45 seconds, put it on a post-it note and throw it there. And then maybe once or twice a week, or maybe even if it's a high volume time, maybe even once a day, I'll look and see. Are there common themes forming? Is this a marketing opportunity? Is this a sales opportunity? Can we improve an ex uh, customer experience or onboarding? And uh, is this a business development partnership opportunity? And then I star ones that I think I'm seeing a cluster of the most viability. And then I'll rank it by what's giving me insights for that. Is it the amount of people that read that particular blog or liked that particular video? Or, or is it the feedback we're getting from a certain place? And then I create a concept card. And a concept card is where you have a, a catchy title. Uh, who is the primary use case? What is the main problem or thing that's happening? What is this idea in just a few sentences? What is the business value? What is the customer value? How would we measure it? And then from there, I start looking at it with the team of, hey, look at this. Is there anything here standing out to you guys? And then there's a backlog below that of could, should do, could do, doing now. And then we run it through an LDJ once we decide a few that have the, the greatest legs or the most um, potential of timing of other things we've got going on. But that was that is a very crucial thing of I've learned to workshop myself. Mm. So it's crucial to be able to do that on an individual level and on a team project level. And I just think the thing is so freaking slick. It's It's been game changing for my own career. And when I talk to p individuals that are at different places in their career, I think being able to, like you said, backlog yourself is a, <laughs> is a good thing to be able to do. This if not, you just pretty yeah. much just fly all at once. This is an amazing process, both for people who, who tend to overwhelm their teams and of people listening here, I'm sure hundreds are going, Oh yeah, I overwhelm my team because I give they have a direction, but during the week I come with three new directions. And so for those people, use yeah. CAD's process. And, <laughs> but also for the other people who who maybe have a team that's just doing always the same thing and they actually need a little bit more involvement into prioritization, into direction, etc. Well, it's interesting you say that for that the latter part because I was inspired. Um, I was I was trained in agile at one point, and I had an amazing agile project manager. And a big part of that is identifying that feedback loop of what are the customers saying, what is the sales field seeing, like what are all these different groups observing, and then how do we feed that back into 
the project roadmap, the mm -hmm. product lifecycle roadmap, the larger strategy. So it is crucial when you, because what can happen is scope creep, right? You've got individuals that are the most high ranking, that have the most authority. They can just come in and pepper you with 20 new things. And then maybe something that someone in your field has observed is a much better idea or could lead to much better business value and results. So there is something interesting about what I created too to be able to use for teams because you've got this, uh, it's like a self-organizing systematized way of having a feedback loop where once a week or maybe once every two weeks, you can have individuals in the room and look at that. Like, yes, we heard you big boss and it's there, but here's some of the other things and the themes that we're noticing. It gives you a way to start weighing out and prioritizing it uh, and to capture it all. Because when you don't, all of those great ideas and observations they'll just end up lead on the, on the, on the meeting room floor half the time. It's mm. just a bubble that bursted in the air and disappeared. What's a good way of, of capturing information coming from, from clients directly? Oh, um, oh, well, it depends on the, the phase that you're in. So whether that, if it was a discovery an initial discovery with them having just really polished, sharp, um, questions that you're asking to really get a feel for, what's going on, what's their true intention with this, the goals, the objectives, like in a perfect ideal world, you know, so, so having some really strong, um, you know, what you'd call interview questions ready to go where you're really getting a, a great scope brief of what's happening. Um, I think that could be a good place to start. And then throughout the process, like once they are a paying customer, um, you know, looking for opportunities for pulse checks to see is it going as well? Is it going better than you expected? Why is it not going like some type of an assessment, um, whether that's a quick poll or survey that you automate or you're getting on the phone and having like occasional touch bases with them is, is good. Um, I think it just it does kind of depend on where they're at in the journey with you. You can start to spot some good um, kind of micro moment touch points of how you could start to gather that insight. What? defines your allies versus your accomplices or allies the people who bring out the best decisions in you and accomplices who help you take the worst decisions <laughs> okay um allies i think would be if i was to look at some of my strongest you know product designers people that have been you know or, or strategists that have been at this a long time but they're typically the ones in the room that can see um the forest through the woods that can start to, you know, we can't, oh, that's a horrible phrase and I should probably think of a better one, but like you can't eat the whole elephant at once. They're the ones that can take this big hairy thing and start to, you know, chunk it into these smaller, um, easier to, to start to accomplish things um, and, you know, and come up with, a, you know, some incremental ways forward. Um, and for me also, allies are really um, bringing out the best in me in terms of I'm very focused on the voice of the customer. Who are we doing this for? Before we go building and creating and doing all these things, like does the person on the other end, is this really what they need or want? Like, so those are some of my great allies. The ones that would be accomplices, I think would be when we get overexcited about this one sound bite that we heard and then we go too far off to the races and too far down a path to only realize later, shoot, we, we maybe should have discovered some of this stuff sooner in the process. Um, yeah, that's what's coming to mind right now. What do you do in a hard month or week to protect your confidence? Oh, confidence is so huge. And I think the older you get, it gets a little easier for a lot of us. 
Um, for me, I think health and wellness is huge. So taking time to pause and really be connected in the moment in your life outside of work as a recovered workaholic that is still very aware of what burning yourself out and working frantically 60 hours a week can look like um, to just really get grounded and get tuned into you've made it this far. You're here now. Um, you know, it's going to, you're going to continue with this forward momentum, um, getting over imposter syndrome that you, you do deserve to be in the room. I do deserve to be on this you podcast. Have yeah, we, I think we all do. I think we all do at some moment. At some moment, it'll come creeping in. And it's typically, I notice now for me, it's in the moments where I'm looking to go outside of my comfort zone and really stretch into something that like, I, I feel like I want to do, but I'm not quite sure how to do it yet. Mm. And just trusting like how good processes have, have served me in the past when I was embarking in on some of those scary moments and to kind of lean into that vulnerability more. And to like translate those feelings, those those physical reactions into a positive mindset and observation as opposed to a negative one. And I, I think lastly is just reserving my energy. So I'm really big on my rituals that I do from the tea that I make in the morning to the, the quiet, beautiful nature walks that I take and try to take every day to, to sweating in my sauna or taking a salt bath. Like there's just so many little things that you can do um, to just slow down. Cause I think there's so much noise in our industry and in life in general, and just un unplugging from that and plugging into things that nurture you. I think the more grounded you can stay, the more that you can stay confident because you're not so pulled and distracted by all the coulda, woulda, shouldas, and what should we be doing next? And oh my gosh, who's doing what? And should I be doing this? Like you just, uh, yeah, just calming it down a little, just, just taking it one day at a time. <laughs> What makes you happy as a dog? Happy as a dog? Uh, one is being around very uh, positive people. Uh, I love getting to know people in general, but I think individuals that elevate me, that inspire me, that believe in me, um, um, great food, great taste. I love all different types, you know, creating is huge for me, whether that's creating a meal, creating an amazing new cocktail or mocktail, um, mm. uh, exploring health and wellness, like topics that I feel like are going to help me thrive. And what's then being a, around what's a good mocktail. We, we, we have stopped drinking. What's a good mocktail? Do you have one? I will send you so many. So for me, I like like maybe you're because you're from Italy, too. They've got like their aperitifs and more digestive, like herbal based drinks. So I think one thing I realized is that has a very adult flavor to it, those herbs. So I like will take um, thyme or different herbs and I'll mm. um, reduce those down, boil them down to where I get a nice tincture out of that because it's got this piney, punchy, like almost like an alcohol feel. It's not anything you taste in a, a kid's drink or in an average beverage. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Citrus, making it citrus forward. Fresh ginger has some heat and some bite to it. Um, a lot of lime. Um, I have one that's almost, uh, I call it the afternoon delight because it's kind of a twist on like a Aperol spritzer, but it doesn't have the wine or the Aperol, but it has a similar vibe and getting some bubbly. Um, I'll give you a couple of my favorite recipes, but what I love about my mocktails too, because I follow some great people is that they're actually doing something healthy and good for your body and they create, and I'm looking for ingredients and adaptogens and things that actually chill you and calm you out. Cause isn't that one of, there's two reasons I love cocktail hour. One, the social aspect, we're letting loose, we're having fun. We're not taking things too serious now because we had our drinks in our hand. Two is the flavor, like is the, the flavor experience for me. But three is um, 
I love now that you can have those two first two things, but also be helping your kidneys and your liver and your blood pressure and your blood sugar yeah. instead of hurting them. And yeah, also, I'm you super know, into that. what I miss about drinking is the, the demarcation from working mode to, you know, family time. Now it's over. Work is over. Now yes. it's not, it, yeah, I moved from here, which is my, in my apartment to, to the next room. So there is no demarcation. There is no commute. And uh, I think a, a, a good mocktail could actually help me feel that transition and fall into that translation. Faster. It enhances. It's an enhancement to the moment. And uh, uh, Suzanne Summers, I loved her and she just recently passed away and she was so big on health and wellness, but she was just such a happy, good soul too. And one of the things she said her and her husband would do is they would meet at the pool in their little beach bar every day for cocktail hour. And there is like, there's something about this. You're like, you're marking this new moment in the day. Yes. We're going to yeah. wind down now. We're going to watch the sunset. It's just you know, it, 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 having that uh, interactive experience and then you're sharing the, a similar beverage or same beverage, it's just, there's a sense of connectedness. And then also like, what are all the senses? You're you're smelling mm -hmm. it, you're hearing it when you cheers, you're tasting it. It's mm -hmm. just, it's another way of getting more connected in the moment. And then with the, with, with the healthy mocktail, you're also getting more connected with your body in a healthy way. You're telling oh. it, I love you and I'm giving you something good. I love it, I love it. Come, come more often. And uh, <laughs> where, where should we follow you? Where can we be part of your journey? Uh, and, you know, I wish I had my official website out for the freelance work that I do, but the, so I'll give that to you soon because that'll be up soon. But for now, LinkedIn, um, you, my first and last name on LinkedIn, I'm very passionate about the space that we're in. So I'm constantly posting find, things that I'm finding that I think are just really great to have to, to leverage in, in your work. And then ajandsmart.com. And then workshopper.com. Those are our two main websites where we talk about either uh, training and learning on an individual level, what are free, no cost, low cost resources available. Um, they were game changing for me. So it is great to be a part of this company because I can I can just remember the days still, and you probably do too, where you were you were buying all the right books and you were finding all the right frameworks, but you were just swimming in the sea of design thinking, strategy, uh, lean, agile, UX, you name it. And um, I think that they've done a nice job of creating a curated set and a place to start and kind of go meet people where they're at in their journey to start self-learning and building up some confidence and clarity that it's it's not as over. We've been in this space, you and I've been in this space long enough. It's Yes, it feels like a giant ocean at first, but once you really hone in on it, it's 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 there really is some simplistic ways to like find a way forward and leveraging some great things instead of getting stuck in the over analysis information overload stage for too long. Kat, Likavoli, everyone, uh, thank you for being on the show, sharing so generously your processes, your journey, and please come back soon. Uh, you're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. Redouble your revenue in 90 days. What if your business would run well even when you are on vacation? Discover how 1,600 business owners have regained their freedom using the Strategy Sprint's blueprints. How they enjoy living their dream and watching their business scale. Get the exact checklists they use 
to go from stressed to fulfilled using the Strategy Sprints method. Order your copy of Strategy Sprints 12 Ways to Accelerate Growth for an Agile Business on Amazon today. And if you love it, leave us a review. For more information, head over to strategysprints.com.